You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. From Capital Broadcasting Company and WRAL-FM, welcome to Wine and Dandy. I'm your host, Sarah King. I'm your host, Jamie Kasky. And wine is fun, and we intend to prove it. And Jamie, we have a guest with us today. I uh, Listen, I got sucked into such a Google Images hole looking at where she lives. I know. <laughs> she lives in Bruno, Czech Republic, and her name is Ariel DeSusi. She was a uh, friend of mine, and I used to work with her at Seaboard Wine Warehouse, and now she's doing her own wine education thing called Civil Wines over there in Bruno, Czech, Czech Republic. Still a friend of yours. Still a friend of mine. Welcome, Ariel. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. It's exciting. It's so exciting to hear your voice again. It's been like two years. Yes. Yes, it has. It's been our two-year anniversary, actually, this month that we left North Carolina. Oh. Now, um, Ariel, <laughs> I... It's where you are located is is just so beautifully positioned in some of the most beautiful areas of the world. So you're in uh, Moravia, correct? Moravia? Correct. Moravia. Uh, which correct. literally sounds like and looks like one of those kingdoms on the Hallmark Christmas movie channel where this <laughs> random prince from some country you've never heard of. And it's just stunning. And it looks to me like you are near a bunch of different countries, uh, Slovakia, Austria, uh, Germany, Poland, Hungary. I'm sure I've missed some. Right. Are you just kind of. No, I think you've checked them all. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're, we're really we're landlocked. Uh, Moravia is really a landlocked um, part of the Czech Republic. But gorgeous. So, Gore, I mean, what a land to be yeah. locked in. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, you yeah. know, Ariel, I want to get to what you're doing over there, which is why we're talking to you today. So you used to sell wine here in America and more precisely in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then your husband got a work transfer to the Czech Republic. And right. then so you moved over there and now you're in the wine education business. How did that all happen? So there's a lot to unpack with that. Um, Yeah, so we moved here in November 2018 because of my husband's job assignment. And I moved here not knowing any Czech at all, not even realizing that the country produced wine, because back in America, we usually kind of think about the Czech Republic and associate it with beer production. Um, And so we landed here and I started walking around town and noticed so many of these tiny vinotecas, basically wine shops where you can go in and buy a bottle of wine. Mm. And it was a huge amount of wine brands and labels I didn't recognize and even grape varieties I didn't recognize. So immediately I started purchasing some bottles and tasting some of the wines <laughs> and, and realized how incredible they were. One thing led to another and making the right connections and attending a lot of wine tastings and a lot of events here in Brno, mainly in Czech. So I had to suffer through that. Um, (laughs) What a hardship. It's a a hard language, I'll tell you, um, to to, to understand. You know, navigating through those wine tastings and trying to meet the right people who could help to introduce me to a little bit more of the wine region, it kind of just snowballed from there. One of the connections I made was actually an owner of a wine bar, local wine bar in Brno. And she 
trusted me enough to have this crazy idea to host a wine tasting in English, which really had not been done before in the city. And that attracted a lot of expats. Um, It attracted a lot of Czechs as well, who were curious to know what a foreigner thinks about their wine. And after that first tasting, I immediately scheduled the second tasting and both of those sold out. And other wine bars started contacting me, asking me if I could have more wine tastings at their wine bars in English to attract more English-speaking customers. Hmm. And ever since then, a a simple wine blog that I started as Civil Wines turned into a whole education program. It built upon itself over the past two years, and I've been really lucky to have been welcomed by the Moravian wine community with such open arms. And that's what's really catapulted it. That's not surprising knowing you, because you are so well-versed in wine, and you're so gracious and curious. And, you know, I'm sure you didn't approach this as, well, American wine is better and I like French wine better. <laughs> I mean, what does the Czechs, the Czechs, is that how you say it? Not, no. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you guys don't have, know what you're doing. Like you probably came at it in a very, very welcoming way. And that's, that's fascinating. So I want to speak to, you said you, you found a bunch of grapes there that you'd never heard of. What are some of these grapes that you, you discovered? Right. So What I like to talk about when I mention the Czech Republic is that it's a really old wine region, but a really young wine region at the same time. Hmm. So wine has been produced here since the second century AD. Romans introduced viticulture, and over time, the Cisternian monks introduced Burgundian varieties like Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, um, Chardonnay. And over time, viticulture really became a main source of agriculture and commerce, for, specifically for South Moravia. Uh, I, when I speak about South Moravia, I do mention it as a wine region. There's, there's actually two wine regions in the Czech Republic. There's Bohemia, which is in the north near Prague, and Moravia, where I live in the southeast corner, kind of tucked away near Austria. So when working at uh, seaboard wine in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, I was introduced to a whole plethora of grape varieties. So, you know, me and my high horse thinking, well, I know a lot of grape mm-hmm. varieties. And then coming here, I was really astonished to find a whole a catalog of grape varieties I never knew existed. So going back to that old wine region, new wine region, during the 20th century, when viticulture took a kind of beating because of um, the communist government, because of the two world wars. Scientists here and, and great breeders here actually engineered certain grapes to withstand certain frosts and unpredictable climate changes and difficulties in the vineyard like mold and mildew that are kind of common in any kind of vineyard. And so these these engineers in the 50s and 60s mainly started developing these, these frost-resistant grape varieties. Um, So typically they're crossings, some are hybrids, and some of them have really soared in popularity. So um, these grapes are really indigenous to this part of the country, this region of South Moravia. Right now there's about 50 registered grape varieties in the Czech Republic. And we'll find out what your favorite ones are, Ariel, in just a second. Welcome back. We're talking to Ariel DeSusi from Civil Wines. Give us the most popular red grape and the most popular white grape. So for red, I would say Cabernet Moravia is uh, a very popular indigenous red grape variety. So Cabernet Moravia is a crossing of Cabernet Franc and Zweigelt. Mm -hmm. It was crossed in the 1950s, 1960s, I believe. Um, It kind of gets the best of both worlds. I love Cabernet Franc because it's kind of violet notes and earthy notes and blackcurrant notes. And Zweigelt can be really peppery and really cherry driven. 
And so this crossing of Cabernet Moravia becomes this medium-bodied, fairly medium acidity, but really velvety style of wine with little peppery notes. It's a really beautiful, um, a beautiful grape variety. It's a late ripening grape variety, does really well in some of the warmer South Moravia. Um, for a white grape variety, the most prominent that, that I really consider is Pallava. White grape variety, it's a crossing of Gewürztraminer and Muller-Thurgau. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, 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 I'm a sucker for Gewürztraminer. I love aromatic, yeah. kind of lower acidity, really rounded, um, interesting whites. Mm-hmm. And crossed with Muller-Thurgau, which is kind of the workhorse grape uh, made for bulk production. So by crossing these two grapes, this Pallava grape was introduced in 1961. And it takes its name from the Pallava Hill which is an outcropping of the Carpathian Mountains here in the region. It's a beautiful um, limestone outcropping that is visible about 20 minutes south of Brno. And the grape takes its name from there. And it can produce wines that are typically the, the, the Czechs like their palava a bit sweet. Um, they prefer it with some residual sugar. But I had recently an outstanding orange wine from palava that was fantastic. Really textured and rose petals and lychee and just a, a beautiful example of, of kind of the innovative forward thinking of this country. And when I, when I mentioned, you know, this old world, new world wine country, it's, it's really, you know, they have a lot of tradition, a lot of wine growing traditions, but there's a whole range of people here who are pushing the envelope and are innovative and, and pushing these natural wine styles, orange wine styles, fermentation on skins, um, long macerations, long hang times, all of these kind of interesting things that weren't done before, more experimental winemaking, cool wines. So well, it's pretty and, exciting to be here. Oh, my God. It totally sounds amazing. And let's talk more about your favorite wines when we get back. We are talking to Ariel DeSusi from CivilWines.com, a woman who used to live here in North Carolina and work with me at Seaboard Wine Warehouse, and now she lives in the fairy tale land that is the Czech Republic doing wine education. I want to know, why do you think we've not heard about Czech wines? So the Czech wine industry, although they produce a lot of wine, they're actually a net import country, meaning that they, they produce, whatever they produce, they consume. So they actually end up importing about 70% of the wines they consume from France, Spain. So they drink a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are landlocked. That's what happens in landlocked countries. (laughs) Right. And, you know, it's in their culture. They have wine with breakfast. And that's, you know, it's a common occurrence. Wine Uh, with breakfast? Do you like, is it like a mimosa? What what kind of wine (laughs) do you drink it with breakfast? So a lot of the wines they drink are like 11% polo suke, meaning semi-dry, and they love these wines in the morning. I mean, they can drink wine all day. And so, you know, the consumption here is is staggering. I I, I can't keep up. <laughs> I'm trying. But, um, I'm just kind of, you know, doggy paddling through. Um, so what are your personal favorites now from that area? Your, your personal, I saw your favorite just overall wines, your website, which is civilwines.com. But from the region now that you've sort of been there in two years and really dug in a little bit, what's your favorite? So one of the grapes I think that's attracted me the most is called Welch Riesling. Um, here in the Czech Republic, it's called Riesling Vlaschki. Mm-hmm. Uh, it translates actually to walnut Riesling because sometimes it gives off this kind of nutty walnut uh, aroma. But Welch Riesling is a grape that's indigenous to Austria. And typically in Austria, it's, it's produced as a, a sweet dessert wine style in the city of Roost in Bergenland. 
And here in the Czech Republic, the grape was introduced in the 14th century, but here in, in the region, it's produced as a sparkling wine, a dry wine, semi-dry, all the way to straw wine or ice wine. And so the grape is really versatile. And for me, it kind of reminds me of Chenin Blanc, not oh. because of its flavor profile, but because of its, its workability on the vine. It's a late ripening grape. Um, the grape typically produces very yellow fruited aromas like quince and yellow apple and yellow pear. Um, but the grape retains acidity. So you can have a Welch Riesling that's hanging on the vine through mid-November and it will retain this backbone of acidity. Now, the grape has nothing to do with Riesling. It's not associated, it has no DNA correlation with Riesling at all. Um, And so when I came here, I thought, well, Riesling Flaschke, okay, Riesling is Riesling. I I assumed, you know, that it had some kind of familiarity with Riesling, but but it actually, it's its own grape variety. Interesting. So that's a white. How about a, can you speak to your favorite red from the region? Before we get to your sure, sure. sure. Um, so it's funny because back this, I, I always think about North Carolina when I um, think about this grape variety. So Saint Laurent um, here in the region, it's known as Svatovavzhinetske. Mm-hmm. Um, I terribly pronounce that uh, word every time. It's a tricky one, but Saint Laurent is what we know it as, and it grows in Austria primarily. And back in North Carolina, we had just a few St. Laurent's, but I was really attracted to the grape. Um, I find it really similar to Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. but a little bit more purple, a little bit more black-fruited than Pinot Noir. It has a little bit more of a tannin structure to it. And I absolutely love the St. Laurent here. Um, you know, knowing that I just had a few examples back in North Carolina, yeah. and here I've been inundated with fabulous St. Laurent's from excellent producers. Um, who who really uh, admire this grape and 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 train it to be so so healthy on the vine? Um, Saint Laurent here is is has beautiful delicate acidity, uh, about medium body, lots of purple flowers aromas, uh, mm. black fruit aromas, sour cherry aromas. Mm, and, sounds heavenly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. Sarah, it's totally a wine you would love. Yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I'll be looking in the mail for my bottle. <laughs> How does someone in the United States, you know, what do we need to ask for when we go to our local wine shops? Because I would like to taste these incredibly delicious wines you're talking about. And I, don't, I looked for one to taste with you, you know, while you're on the phone with us and I couldn't find one. So what do we need to do to get these wines in our stores? So I would definitely talk to the shop owners, see who they are distributing with. Um, right now on the East Coast, Atel Wines is a wine importer importing four different wineries. How do you spell um, that? A-H-T-E-L. Okay. And they are based in the Northeast, um, but they sell in Washington, D.C., in Florida, um, in, in various states. Their website has a full listing. Um, so Jenny and Francois are importers of natural wines. Um, based out of New York, and they also distribute with various distributors uh, throughout the country. So ask your local wine shop if they work or work with distributors that may import wines at Tell Wines or Jenny and Francois. Those would be your two best bets okay. in terms of trying these tech wines. Great. Well, thank you for the time today, Ariel. And where on the World Wide Web can one find you? <laughs> The, <laughs> the interwebs, <laughs> a series of tubes. <laughs> so uh, 
My website is civillines.com. Um, it's the same handle for Instagram and Facebook. Um, I host virtual wine tastings now here in Brno. Um, so you can always catch one of my videos. I speak a lot about Czech wine. I even interview winemakers um, trying to, to bring Czech wine more to the forefront. It's super, super exciting. Thank you so much for joining us today all the way from the Czech Republic. It means a ton. Yes. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm so happy to, to have this opportunity. Um, I miss North Carolina. So. Oh, we miss you. <laughs> oh, I miss my friend. She worked with me at Seaboard Wine Warehouse. It was me, her, and Jen King. Oh, nice. The best Trifecta. summer ever. I miss her so badly. Uh, you should see where she lives. You should go visit. I Googled image that thing. <gasps> Stunning. What she didn't tell you is she's in lockdown right now. Check has their people like in lockdown. So I can't go visit, but I can go to civilwines.com. That's true. Yeah, there's lots of pretty pictures. So I'm glad she took the time to talk to us. Me too. Cheers. Can't wait to see her in person. Thanksgiving 2020 is just around the corner. Jamie, are you ready? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> you haven't even plan, have you planned it all? Well, I know this year my mom's not coming. So, oh. and actually, I don't think any family's coming. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be me, Eddie, and Luca. Oh. So it's kind of opened us up to be more creative with our menu. Us too. We, I actually ha- we have done a little bit of planning because we have uh, my immediate family and my mom, possibly the girlfriends for the kids, and uh, and our dear friends Casey and Ben, and they have offered to do a low country boil. Oh, I love low country yeah, boils. For Thanksgiving. Oh, for yeah. sure. And then immediately, my people came in with, we'll steam a little turkey and maybe a little ham. I'm for the so, ham. Yeah. So we'll be doing a little bit of a little smorgasbord. And that's as far as the planning has gotten. How well, about you guys? sounds like you better start buying meat now because you yeah. don't need a lot of it. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Eddie's got some recipe he found. We, we subscribe to Food and Wine. We subscribe to Cook's Country, mm. Milk Street. We're big food people. I read cookbooks all the time. That's my thing. Yeah. Um, and so apparently he's found one in the plethora of publications that we have. I have no <laughs> idea what it's going to be. <laughs> But I wanted to talk about Thanksgiving because, you know, in your case in particular, mm-hmm. you have all different kinds of people coming oh, over. Oh, yeah, and food. And, I mean, that's the other thing is you've got different types of fare, low country boil, mm-hmm. fatty ham, and then you've got the lean turkey. Like, yeah. There's a lot of different things, and not to mention the sides, which run from spicy, which I remember your cranberry sauce is spicy. Yes, with horseradish in it. That's Yummy. right. Hard to pair with. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And, you know, and like you get the fatty mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes. There's just there's a lot going on on the Thanksgiving table. Yep. So I thought it would be great to get a wine that's a bit of a crowd pleaser. Ah, good. You know, because I'm always getting asked by people, what 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 can I serve my family? And so I brought in two wines today um, that I think would go well for everybody. Okay. So the first bottle, I have just two bottles here, a red and a white. And the white is one we talked about last year, because we did do a Thanksgiving episode Episode last last year, year. and it's a different one, though. Okay. It's a a Riesling. Riesling works so well with food. Yeah. And I think it works well with different types of food, because even a dry Riesling Mm -hmm. has a little residual sugar to it. Right. So if you have something spicy, it'll help with that. And then it's got so much acid that it can go with anything that's got fatty you know, fattiness to it, the unctuousness. How do you like that word? Oh, I can't my spell God. it. Hold on. Let me get to MiriamWebster.com. What does <laughs> unctuous mean, my fatty, friend? Fatty, oh, like okay, cool. really oh, savory. I'm and... currently post-Halloween unctuous. <laughs> I know. I've got pandemic unctuous that's uh, pushing me out of a <laughs> pair of pants currently. 
I'm in leggings. <laughs> anyway, so I brought this one in. This one's called Das Trocken. Can I read the description on the back? Because I've been staring at it for five minutes and I love it. Okay, let me pour glasses first. Okay, while well, you do that, the description is, is this, this is German, I'm assuming. And in full disclosure, Eddie bought this bottle for me. I told him what to get. Yes. And I told him my criteria, which was crowd pleasers. Ah. That, you know, if you have Chardonnay lovers mm-hmm. and Pinot Grigio lovers, that it'll meet somewhere in the middle. Yep. And this is what he brought home. Eddie being Sarah's husband, who is a wine oh, yes. uh, connoisseur. Well, he's a wine salesman. Um, It and says, ja, es ist trocken. Ah. Which means, Sarah. Ja, das ist trocken. Yes, it's dry. Yes. So this is a dry Riesling. Trocken means dry. Yes. So anytime you see trocken on a Riesling, you know it's not going to be syrupy sweet. You can also judge a sweetness of a Riesling by the alcohol percentage. Yes. The lower the number, the more sugar is in the wine. Yes. So if you've got a 9% alcohol wine, you know that Oof. there's a lot of sugar in there. And, and it's going to be sweet. And some yeah. people like sweet wine. This is, my guess, 12% is usually what the dry ones are. Mm-hmm. And this is 12.5%. Oh, very nice. Because yeah. das trocken, Sarah. Das ist trocken. <laughs> and it's a liter, so it goes a long way. Yeah, it is slightly larger. Yeah. And how much does das trocken run at a uh, wine retailer? Well, glad you asked. And but glad I brought my computer because I asked him <laughs> to put that in, put the receipt in the bag and he forgot but according to the interwebs, it runs anywhere between fourteen ninety nine and nineteen ninety nine. Okay, sure. And always remember, and I don't know how much your family drinks, but you can always get a <laughs> discount when you buy a case. Yeah, and the recommendation as you're planning, former party planner Sarah, That's is right. how much wine per person uh, for well, Thanksgiving. For Thanksgiving, well, it depends. I mean, it is an election year. Yeah, we're going to win a little more. Err <laughs> on the side of too much. But what I used to do, yeah, you can always have it later. <laughs> um, when I used to do weddings, is a glass an hour. Okay, per, per person. Per person. That, then that will make up for people who don't drink, and that will make like for people. children. <laughs> yes, and then I'll make up for people who drink more than one, unless you've got heavy, heavy drinkers, and mm-hmm. there are some crowds that know that their friends are going to put it away. Right. Then I would do two glasses an hour. This smells, by the way, oh, fabulous. It really does. It's I love Riesling. It's floral. Um, it's very, very, it's a pretty smell. Oh, it's delicious. Mmm. It's so slightly zesty. Effort. Yeah, it's it's very like lemon zest. Oh, very much. Yeah, very very citrusy. Yeah, I don't get much on the terms of um, residual sugar for this. No, it's just a nice, very bright white. Very bright white. It would go great with turkey and all of that. Would it go good with the Low Country Boil ham, turkey, and sides? Well, yes, <laughs> I think it would, but especially the Low Country Boil because acid Muscadet Ooh, yeah. is the classic mm-hmm. shellfish wine, oysters in particular, and that's mm-hmm. from France, and it's extremely lean and minerally and you know acidic. Mm-hmm. And this this is quite lean. Honestly, I'm going to say my husband in my opinion, didn't pick out a perfect crowd pleaser. Because to me, I know there's plenty of people who would think this is too acidic, but I don't want you to rule out Riesling for that reason. Right, right. There are a lot of different Rieslings on, on a, quite a scale in terms mm. of how sweet and how dry. Uh, I really like this bright, citrusy Not surprising. Riesling. That's your palate. Yeah, that is my palate. Um, so I will be picking up Das Trocken. Das Trocken. <laughs> but uh, talk to your wine professionals. Mm. Tell them that you, tell them your budget. We've said this a bazillion times. Even people who make like six, seven figures don't typically want to spend more than 20 bucks on a bottle of wine yeah. a weeknight. It is Thanksgiving, so perhaps you want to spend a little bit more. Right. For the first bottles, and then you know yeah. your crowd. Bring out the cheaper stuff. That's right. That's right. So, but talk to them about Riesling. Talk to them about wanting a little bit of sweetness, because I've had plenty of 
quote unquote dry mm-hmm. truckins that have a little bit of that residual sugar. There's also semi dry, mm-hmm. which will be in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then you have just sweet, and I can't remember the name of that off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Well, this is—I think this is delicious. What else you got for us, All right. sister? I'm gonna, well, since we don't have a dump bucket, I'm going to drink it. So, like I said, the Riesling is kind of a blanket statement. It's a safe white, tends to be a crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. Just talk to your wine professional, and they'll be able to hook you up with one. And the other is Pinot Noir. Well, I think we have a white and a red. Yes, and I told Eddie as he went out into the wilderness to buy me wine for this podcast. Um, I said, I want one that is, you know, for the, the Miami drinkers, the California mm-hmm. Pinot Noirs, which tend to be very, yeah. almost fruit forward, very, very fruit forward and very heavy in terms of Pinot Noir when you compare it to something from France, which is light and yeah, earthy. Yeah, you like this, yeah. I like that, yeah. So I said somewhere in the middle there like, that could possibly please both crowds mm-hmm. because I think Pinot works really, really well with food in particular. Um it it can have a little tannin, but it's got the good acid, and it just it can bridge a lot of gaps. Right. Whereas if you just had a Cabernet, it's going to overpower, say, your green beans, or <laughs> you know, if you're having a low country boil, Cabernet is going to ruin too that. Too much, too much. So right. Pinot, I think, is a good middle road for that. Mm-hmm. I took notes, which include included how to say this. So let me get those out. It's my favorite when you pronounce stuff. Oh, I know, I'm the best. You know what's really embarrassing is it's the same is true for. Uh, the morning show that I do because I constantly say things wrong. Why they pay me to talk, I'll never understand. <laughs> Grateful, but don't understand it. <laughs> so this wine is from the Willamette Valley mm-hmm. in Oregon. Oh, It looks like you would pronounce it Williamette, mm-hmm. but if you go there, they will quickly tell you Willamette, damn it. Well, yeah. that's a great way to remember that, That's, that's what they say, <laughs> yeah. So this uh, Pinot Noir is an estate Pinot Noir, and it is from Illahi. I-L-L-A-H-E, Illahi. And it's a Chinook word, which is a Native American word that means Chinook. earth or place or soil. Oh. That's, Isn't that that's, lovely? That really is very lovely, actually. Yeah. So let me pour a little bit for us to try. This is a 2018. This is a little more expensive, but like I said, it's a holiday, so you can mm-hmm. splurge a little bit. It's not crazy. It's anywhere between 25 and $29. Mm-hmm. So if you buy a half a case of it, you know, you're putting a couple hundred out if, yeah. if you can afford it. Um, if you get a full case, you'll get a discount, like we said. So this wine, um, this winery is all about being natural. Nice. Which nice. is, which is, I find, you know, always a, a bonus. They don't add any enzymes to their wine. There's mm-hmm. no additives in their wine. And they use baskets to crush the grapes. And they do it by hand. And they, to get the grapes yeah. from the vines to the, the, the winery, uh-huh. they use horses. <gasps> We could go to this place and make a real week of it. We could. I we could be horses. like Lucy and Ethel. I, that's, that's the first thing I pictured when you said they put them in baskets and crush them. And then I immediately pictured those two <laughs> stomping around. But then you said hand. So I bet they have really nicely defined arms. I bet. Ooh, let's go find we out. Should, I know. Like, that would be a good workout that we could really get into, actually. And I think we should talk to Capital Broadcasting and see if they'll send us. That's part of, like, the health we initiative. We need to know. <laughs> so let's give it a whiffy whiff. It's also beautiful. It's a typical <sighs> Pinot Noir claret. It's kind of clear and red, and it smells to me like toffee and candy. It does. It smells really beautiful. I've always associated... <sighs> There's an, often a smell of Pinot Noir that I think smells like caramel. Yes, I, that was a, that's exactly what I was thinking yeah, of. With- yeah, toffee. It, it, there's like oh, a burnt sugar smell to it. Really nice. Mm, yes, and it's got roses like, you know, and violets. Yeah, so it's like a mix of if you like your, like if you're doing s'mores and you like those marshmallows burnt on the outside. Oh, yeah. And, and violets. 
Yeah, it smells delicious. My goodness, that's nice. That's, it better be for twenty nine dollars. I mean, this is a, this is a Thanksgiving wine. This is a holiday wine. Hmm. Oh, that, that that'll do. Oh, that'll do any day of the week. <laughs> it's not super earthy, which oftentimes this I would definitely say this is an older world style of mm-hmm. wine, which means the fruit is not necessarily forward. Mm-mm. But what it isn't like, where I find in a lot of um, French Pinots and Italian, is the fact that it's not earthy. No, it's doesn't not. have that like it's poopiness about yeah, it. You it's, know, again, it's kind of fresh, um, very fresh, quite peppery. Yeah, I don't even get pepper on it. I think it's no, I'm getting pepper. You get yeah. a little pepper. Yeah, it would be great with the like ham. Yeah, or, it would be amazing with oh ham. Oh my goodness! Oh my yeah. god, the Anything. sweet ham and this this little tiny bit of dryness. It's, yeah, it's. I think this wine is beautiful. Yeah, I knew you would like this. This is, is a Sarah awesome. wine all this, day. It, it really is. It really is. So, but like I said. You don't have to find this Pinot in particular. Pinot is just a really good wine to cre- to please a crowd when it comes to a complicated Thanksgiving table. It's not your traditional, it's not just any dinner. You have all the sides. I mean, yeah. what's the most unique thing that you put on your Thanksgiving table? Well, I know you think it's my cranberry sauce. I was wondering if you had another. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know, I think after that, we, we go pretty... Pretty straight shooters. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Do you put marshmallows on your sweet potatoes? No, we don't do sweet potatoes. We what? do No, we don't. We do mashed potatoes, green bean casserole. We have a, a green rice recipe, if you're familiar with that. We call it green rice. It's like the, a pilaf? Well, it, no, it's actually um, a broccoli casserole that is heavy on the rice huh. and has cheese. And it's just, well, it's decadent, really. Sounds but it's delicious. it's also a vegetable. Um, and so that's really good, but difficult to pair with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then we do the rolls, you know. Um, Parker House rolls? Uh, it's whoever's in charge of bringing rolls. Okay, uh, fair. I don't usually do. <laughs> I don't usually do that stuffing. You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and I do. There is a cranberry mold that my mom has made for years that I just love, and she makes it fresh with an old timey meat grinder. You know the big metal ones that you yeah. strap onto the yeah. side of the or clamp onto the side of the table, like in the Pink Floyd video. Oh, I'm, I'm not familiar. Okay, I'm not familiar with it, but yeah. We don't need no education. Is there a meat grinder? Oh, yeah, it's a little dark. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I brought this, it up. this is actually bright and citrusy, you weirdo. <laughs> and it has fresh oranges, fresh cranberries. It's just delightful. My mom so. also made a cranberry mold, and it was in the shape of a can. <laughs> oh, hey, I've seen those before. <laughs> yeah, she would cut it, and there'd be lines in it from the can, and it was lovely. I did like it, though. Yeah. But the weirdest thing on our table is it's actually a holdover from my uh, grandmother who made it during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and possibly bef- – no, I think it's, it's definitely from World War II. It's a can of shrimp cocktail. I like cans in my, my family. Yeah. Um, can of shrimp cocktail – Poured into fancy has to be fancy little bowls. Oh, okay. Okay. Has to be, be fancy. fancy. My 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 grandmother would have these little china mm-hmm. bowls, and you put it in the bowls, and then you here's the fancy part. <laughs> you pour ginger ale over it. Wow! Slow down, crazy. <laughs> I, and like you have to make sure everybody gets one maraschino cherry. Yeah, it's a it's that was my family's fancy. <laughs> So I have my chair, my cranberry mold, and my fruit cup with ginger ale. Well, and everybody, all individual feasts uh, for Thanksgiving are, you know, basically unique. You, and, and if you have guests coming, which typically we do, maybe not this year, you never know. It's sort of like a Russian roulette of food. Yes, and so bring. these, you know, Riesling and Pinot Noir are pretty safe bets. Yeah. I like to think of these as the feasting crowd pleasers because both of these styles of wine go really well with food. Right, and you have a red and a white, so everybody's happy. Exactly. Right. So, will you be serving bubbly at your Thanksgiving feast? Is the Pope Catholic? Right. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I, I will most certainly have bubbly. I always, uh, I start every holiday with bubbly. Nice. And every nice. weekend for that matter. Yeah. Bubbles are my favorite. We know this. Yes, of course. <laughs> so wherever you go for Thanksgiving, whomever you decide to spend it with, please be safe. And if you are by yourself, that's what Zoom's for. And that's what Google Duo is for and FaceTime. Try to reach out to some people. I plan on having my mom join us at the table via, via, Google, Zoom. Du- yeah. via Google Duo, which is the same thing as Facebook. Yeah. Also, we have a full archive of Wine and Dandy podcasts. Oh, there's that. So you can hang out with us all Thanksgiving Day. Yes. So you can find all those at WRALFM.com or wherever you find our podcast. Cheers. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.